Hey, did you just have a meeting with a donor and they told you something really, really important and you have no place to put it except for like maybe an Excel spreadsheet or, I don't know, a random piece of paper in your office? Go to DonorDoc.com. Get a CRM system that works. Get a donor database system that works. Get something that gives you beautiful reports and beautiful dashboards that even your crankiest board member will love. Go to DonorDoc.com. Use the code word do good better at checkout and get a month free. DonorDoc.com. Your organization is awesome, but sometimes you want to be even awesomer. It's time to get your fundraising on with your host, fundraising expert and author, Patrick Kirby. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby. And of course, we talk with people who try to help our medium and small nonprofit friends do good better. Got a good one for you today. And it's timely. So says uh, everybody who uh, is in the month of November talking about gratitude. Yeah, yeah, we're all grateful this time of year, and we should be grateful the entire year. That's the topic of conversation we're going to have today, and I could think of no better person to uh, address the idea of gratitude than my new friend, Dave Lynn. He's the uh, co-founder and CEO of the Gratitude Series, and really shares... Generosity series. The generosity. What did I say? The gratitude. I'm staring at gratitude on your thing. The generosity series. Here's the thing. It all works out. Generosity, gratitude, all the G words today. The generosity series, my friend. David, welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. Thank you. I always like to start off by correcting the host, you know. It's a it's a good, it's a good move right out of the gate. (laughs) This is why I think we're gonna have fun today. Uh, this this type of um, super positive energy, super, um, you, you know, uh, no Debbie Downers today. This is what we're going to do. We're going to help push our nonprofit friends to the end of the year. We're going to be super positive and, and well-wishing on them. But in case, before we even start, everybody's looking through iTunes. They're uh, they're on YouTube. They're scrolling down. They're saying, hey, I don't know. I like this generosity series. This sounds interesting to me, but I have no idea who Dave Lynn is. So why don't we give everybody a 5,000-foot view of who you are, what you do, and why we're chatting today. All right. Great. So uh, I can understand the mistake. I do go by the gratitude, dude. So it was an easy mistake to make. Um, and I do. we just launched a series called Gratitude Rising. So it's an easy mistake to make. Um, so I am a co-founder and the COO of the Generosity Series, which is a series of multi-charity run walks that sort of nationwide and we're all live pre-COVID. And I also in my other life am the gratitude dude. So I do a lot of um, corporate uh, culture coaching and for nonprofits and for-profits to try and build cultures of appreciation, cultures of gratitude all year round. And that plays through. And I think it, it plays a, a, it's an easier job in the nonprofit space because people are sort of already oriented to it a little bit more. Um, but then there are different challenges. And, and that's what I do. And that's hopefully we'll, we'll talk about a little bit good. You do good, better. And, uh, you know, gratitude and generosity. Anything else starts with a G. Do gratitude better. We'll just combine our powers for an entire month and it'll be great. Do gratitude. Do gratitude. Um, here's, I have an issue with the month of November, uh, mostly because I live in Fargo, North Dakota, and I know that snow is coming and that is the worst. 
But what I think annoys me most about this month is that there is an emphasis on gratitude that only gives you 30 days of. And um, we talk a lot about on the show appreciation and, and gratitude on why you need to say that on a regular basis, lead and end with it with donor conversations. Uh, and it's a wonderful time to kind of spark the conversation. But how important is it to continue this throughout the entire year, Dave? Yeah, I'm so with you on that. I have this love-hate relationship with November and, and Thanksgiving itself. I happen to think thinks it was a great thing and I enjoy <laughs> it and all that other stuff. But if it's on, if you're only becoming grateful or showing gratitude because you know that's what it says on the calendar, particularly when you're talking about donors, you've got a bigger problem because that's first of all probably inauthentic. It's definitely getting buried in everybody else's messaging that are bombarding them at the same time of year, and it could certainly come across even when when well-meaning, it could come across as you know just forced. So I am totally on board with that. Uh, I do think that it plays a great role. It's good to wake ourselves up. I think we've gotten better through COVID. It's one of the silver linings that people are thinking a little bit more about gratitude and acting on that. But I couldn't agree more that uh, I, I would still say do the 30 days, right? But make that the way to to build the habit, right? And, it, you know, depending on who, what mathematician you ask, 30 days to build a habit, that's a pretty good start. Uh, and, and if you're doing that and you're doing it well and you're carrying it over, so great, but I would agree, Patrick, definitely. If, if you're just like, okay, it's Thanksgiving, we got to do the, the gratitude thing. That's problematic in and of itself. You know, it's, it's one of those things where if the only time you call donors is to ask for money, they're going to stop picking up the phone because there's no authentic reason why you're calling other than asking for a check. The same way, if the only time that you say thanks and are grateful during the month of November, then, then everything else, you know, falls very short. Uh, so I love the idea of uh, the gratitude dude. Um, how, as the dude of gratitude, would you suggest after the November uh, season? And in fact, let's just go with just the holiday season in general, right? We're starting in 2022. Somebody's going to listen to the re-listen to this January 3rd, right? They're going to get back into the office. They're going to go, you know what? That uh, that podcast with uh, Patrick and Dave was really good. I'm going to listen to it again. How do we start ourselves um, out on the right foot in the next year to make gratitude and uh, that type of, of mentality, number one? I would say that, and this plays right into, into your Thanksgiving thing, because when, when I first started giving gratitude workshops, it was a bunch of nonprofits in Atlanta who had asked me to come in and, and in November, right, and teach them how to write it better Donor thank you letter, uh, exactly what we're talking about. And again, of course, well-intentioned and important. Yes. Uh, and But I, with their permission, I said, you know, can, can we backtrack a little bit and talk a little bit about how we as individuals could become more grateful, right? Then we bring that into our office space. And then that's going to overflow to our donors, donors. And I would say the same thing here, that if we really should be working on our own, becoming more grateful people, right? Working on the authenticity of it. Many people are, are authentically grateful. There's no question, but there are also some skills we can work on, you know, to, to get better at expressing it, and and that runs the gamut. And I know a lot of what what you talk about is, you know, every not every donor is the same, right? In fact, they're all different, right? And we can segment because we can't do every single thing individually. But I think it's the same thing with gratitude. There's different types of gratitude that work for different types of donors, different types of people, 
and to think a little bit more about that instead of saying, okay, en masse, I'm going to send everybody this gratitude thing. Sometimes you got to do that. Sometimes that's okay, right? But mixing it up, uh, there's, there, I believe there's a level of surprise and gratitude that is very, very effective. You know, you can hear everybody up and down the block talk about a handwritten note, and, and I'm a tremendous fan, uh, you know, and whether that's to donors or to your mother, that's something that nowadays is less and less and less. I have a friend who always says, you know, there's more room in your mailbox than in your inbox, right? Because you're getting everything digitally, getting that handwritten note. Uh, so I think that starting off the year, creating a habit for yourself individually, and then sort of doing some kind of program internally where it's not about, okay, guys, we're going to teach you how to show gratitude to donors. How about we're going to talk about how to become a more grateful workplace, right? Because that's going to spill over, right? As we each work on our own uh, gratitude and then our communal gratitude, that's going to spill over. And then, yes, we'll give you the workshop for, for writing a donor letter or reaching out by phone or, or, or whatever else that might be. So I would say, you know, it's all start with, with ourselves as individuals. And it's a great way to do it. And it's perhaps uh, less it obviously important for the organization in terms of donor dollars. It's important for culture. We don't realize that, yes, that spills over. And it does make that, in, that dent in donor relations as well. I, I find that occasionally somebody will say, well, regularly scheduled gratitude. If you've got it on the calendar and I'm supposed to write some, some notes, that seems to be like a forced thing rather than this organic, I should just be grateful all the time. I've got a counter for that. But if somebody told you that, like, hey, Dave, I, you know, I know it's supposed to be thank you Thursday, but that seems like I'm like forcing myself to say thank you for people. What's your reaction to that? Yeah. Just from somebody I, pushing back. Yeah, I, I would, I say that there are two types of gratitude. There is this structured plan gratitude, and then there's a spontaneous gratitude. We don't get better at the spontaneous gratitude unless we have that structure. Unless we have that training and we start learning how to do it, we start building the habits. It becomes top of mind. You know, it's the, oh, everybody has the same car. I bought this car. Now everybody has that car. Well, that's not really what happens. You're not such a trendsetter. You're not such an influencer, but that's top of mind for you. Now you spend a lot of time thinking about that car and you spend a lot of money and now you start noticing it. So when you're training yourself by a gratitude habit, even when it's hard, uh, and 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 you feels a little forced. Okay, you know what? Very very few things that we do are one hundred percent purely perfectly altruistic. And uh, you know that. And you know what? If you can get to seventy percent, that's even incredible. And you'll get better all the time. So if you don't always feel it, you don't always feel it. And nobody feels grateful all the time in every situation. It's just that's not. Then you're not an individual. Then there's no challenge, and then people don't appreciate it because it's just everywhere all the time. So I would say that that. You have to do it. Like you have to go to the gym, right? And you don't have to, but you know, you, you can't just say, well, you know, I, I want to look good and I want to be healthy, and but I don't want to put in the time and the effort when it's hard. You know, it's the same thing. Yeah. Why are my pant size growing? I uh, I thought about going to the gym, but I didn't do it on a regular basis. This you know, and the other thing too is I, I think your the rigor of maintaining or doing gratitude on a regular basis will get you to a point where you're saying, okay, that's now boring to me, or at least that the, the same, I've done the same thing over and over again. Okay. Well now your brain turns into creative mode. Okay. Well, how do I change up my regularly scheduled gratitude? So now you're being creative about, 
who I'm at, who I'm saying thank to you to who I'm reaching out to say who, uh, you know, how grateful I am or how generous they have been and, and, and showing appreciation that way. Or if you're going to be superhero, uh, you know, a plus student, you're going to go ask your donors and supporters and friends and colleagues how they like to be shown gratitude or how they like to be appreciated. And now you're uniquely positioned to, uh, you know, speak their own love language rather than that giant thing. And that box will force you into, I'm being bored by writing the same note again. How do I become creative about it? And then in that notion and in that action of regularly scheduled, you know, sort of creative moments, now you're being original. Now you're being authentic. Now you're being, you know, you're testing yourself a little bit more. Yeah. I, I, I you hit so many perfect ideas there. I mean, it, it, you know, if you think about it, if you, if you get an education in anything, you get a PhD in something, right? You're getting a lot of information. A lot of that's not practical. You're writing a, a theory. You're writing a thesis, you know, and, but now you've got this whole library of stuff going on. And then you could become creative because you know, you know, you have all the tools. And I agree with that so much. And I, I do agree that we need to do that, right? And it is true that it will get boring for most people at a certain point. Doing the same thing all the time can get boring. And even if it doesn't get boring, it becomes rote. Right. And then and then so the lusters is sort of coming off of it anyway. So I agree totally with that, that, you know, to get to that point and then get creative. And I also wholeheartedly agree with asking donors, you know, how they best feel appreciated or have they been? Do they feel appreciated right now by this organization? Mm-hmm. When we're sending out, you know, surveys and things like that, that's a question you want to know. Do you feel like we appreciate you? Do you feel, you know, or like you said, how do you best feel appreciated? You know, you mentioned the love languages. One of the things that I do in, in, in company culture is the five languages of appreciation in the workplace, which is same author, one of the same authors, right? And the same idea, right? It's a very simple idea. Most of us know it as the love languages, but we don't think about that. Not all of our donors have the same love language, but we're throwing the same language at them, you know? So I, I, I think you really made a lot of points. You don't even need me on this. You're just making all the points. I like confirming my bias of gratitude <laughs> with somebody who loves gratitude as much as you do. Well, the other thing too that I really think is interesting is um, a lot of organizations will send trinkets. How many donors do you know that go, don't send me things or they get mad that you're sending them stuff? Now, um, my, I'll give you an example. My wife's love language is buying stuff, like just presents and things like, right? So little trinkets or, or whatever. My love language is food. Like, you don't want to buy me some food. I'm a, I'm the happiest human being in the entire world. But a donor who doesn't like stuff or who sees stuff as a waste for money to not go to the programs and services you provide, wouldn't it be interesting to know that? And wouldn't it be great that you can say and pull the name out of this trinket thing that we're going to send and then send them just a note? Hey, I was going to send you some erasers. But I know through previous conversations that we had is that you don't like that. So we use this money to go with X, Y, and Z. How much more meaningful of a of a piece of appreciation or gratitude note is that on top of, you know, all the other stuff that you're doing constantly? And that requires nothing but a question. It's, yeah, it's so it's so good. It shows thoughtfulness. And I've been I was very happy in you know, the past few years of starting to see a little of this in, in peer-to-peer fundraising where a participant you would say, you know, do you do you want the shirt? Or if not, we will donate an extra ten dollars or, or whatever else it is, right? Where where they're making that choice, you know, there's certain people who do like the shirt, you know, great. That's what we're saying. We're saying they're different 
strokes are different folks. And I think that that, that, that is totally, totally true. When you talk about, we also, one of the questions I get so much around this year is around gifting, right? Recognition gifts and, and what do you buy? And it's a very, very delicate area because it's, you know, it's hard to get something thoughtful and meaningful for so many different people and then not step over the line where it seems like a waste or ostentatious or, or something like that. It's very, very difficult. Um, I had a concept of, of trying to get those gifts sponsored. We often get sponsors Ooh. for, you know, events so that you could say to, you know, to, to a donor that they don't feel like that money's coming out of the organization. You know, we've got a, you know, we want to show our appreciation and, and, and maybe you'd have to find a donor that makes sense, you know, a sponsor, I'm sorry, that makes sense. And, and that way you could sort of show them that, you know, this isn't coming out of our pockets. I personally don't feel it's a problem to come out of your pockets. I think it, it's like anything else. You got to pay your people also that comes out of your pocket, but it's important and it's good. But I think that that's a way to sort of take a little of that, you know, feeling off of it that maybe, you know, it wasn't properly spent. Well, I think that's, that's the, another benefit of asking your donors these intimate questions about how they like to be shown appreciation is that when you're walking down a, 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 an aisle of a grocery store or a store or whatever, and you see something in the corner of your eye that sparks a memory or a conversation that you've had with the donor, and then you pick up something, right? You have a conversation about how they ran out of cloves or cigar or, you know, the cinnamon sticks while baking, whatever. And you run down the aisle and you send them a thing of cloves or cinnamon sticks. I'm just being I'm hungry. Apparently I'm hungry for baked goods. That's what this uh, conversation is starting with. But you send them that note, go, hey, remember that you had some uh, some issues baking just in case you're sending some, you know, sweets to your grandkids. Here's a thing of cloves. I thought of you. Now, how amazing is that to personalize it? Because now they're top of mind. And now you're not even thinking about it in a gratitude sort of way. You're, But you're showing your appreciation for their friendship and their camaraderie or their perspective or their, or their gifts, whatever, in a totally different manner, that's being more purposeful. And I think that's the, the point of this too, is how purposeful can you get with your gratitude and your appreciation? And, and I think also it shows that you, you, maybe even more than anything else, you listen to me. Mm. I told you that story about, you yeah. know, you could have been thinking, okay, how much can I ask this person for? Right. Yes. Um, I was, well, I, one of the habits that I used to have when when I traveled much more before COVID, I mean, I'm still traveling, but not not nearly as much, was uh, a postcard habit because I feel like postcards are, are are perfectly set up for quick notes that you don't have to say, oh, I have to sit down and write notes now. It takes a long time and, and you can put the stamps on them. They're easy. They travel well. Um, and I was near Daytona and I remembered somebody that was a, uh, you know, a big fan of, of, of racing. And I just, you know, I bought a, a, a race car, donut, racetrack, you know, Daytona racetrack, uh, whatever, uh, postcard in the, in the airport and just sent it to him. Hey, you know, just passing through Daytona and thinking about how much you love this and how much time you would spend here with your dad and just sent it off to them. This wasn't even somebody I was trying to get money out of or anything like that. But, you know, it was meaningful to me, it was meaningful to them. And certainly more than if I sent them chocolate, you know. Right. Although I know, I know, Patrick, you're saying, well, I don't know about that. Maybe he said chocolate. <laughs> yeah, it, dep it depends. If I burn through my kids Halloween candy the same way at the pace that I'm burning through it. Yeah. Then I'm going to appreciate a chocolate gift here shortly. Speaking of um, that, I got to pick, I got to pick a bone with you because I saw one of your posts about the Halloween yeah. uh, candies mm -hmm. and uh, you called Tootsie Rolls disgusting. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm it's a happy. line I drew in the sand. <laughs> I know. I really, I realize this it's is a risk. <laughs> This is as uh, vaccination. Uh, this is the That's same, right. same forward <laughs> conversations. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm wondering, 
as you're as you're tying this to donors and, and supporters, um, I think there's room for a bit of conversation between you and I on how important it is to show gratitude towards yourself, especially this time of year, because we spend a lot of time saying, well, how are my donors doing? I want to say thank you to them. And at the same time, we are overly stressed in the fundraising world and in the nonprofit world, especially as we're looking at these budgets coming down the line at the end of the year from a fiscal standpoint. And we're worried about if we're going to make our budgets. We're worried about if our programs are going to get funded. We're worried about X, Y, and Z. And um, I think I'm a pretty good proponent of reflecting back and being grateful for the position that you are in or grateful for the opportunity that you get to help and make an impact. How, how maybe you could talk about this in corporate culture too, is how important is it to maintain at least some semblance of like, hey, I'm doing great work myself and not to have it sound like, oh, look at me, but to realize that you also deserve a piece of gratitude of this, this gratitude pie. We'll go bring it back to pie because again, I'm hungry. How, how important is that? I think it's very important. I think it's important you know, even just as, as, as a self-esteem thing, I, I agree very much with your point that we're more pressed and more pushed probably than, than in, at least for our own lifetimes than ever. And, uh, you know, as collectively, and that that pushes us away, that, that, that deprives us of self-care often, it deprives us of, of, of self-awareness. And, you know, without using the word derogatorily, self-congratulations. And there's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I do like you, what is it? You have a certain day of the week or a certain day of the month where you, where you put out there like a- Fridays. It's Fridays for appreciating, yeah. Right? Talk about yourself, tell, you know, celebrate success. And I think in the nonprofit place space, probably more important because, you know, we, 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 even if we're like in a, in a business, usually it's like, okay, so look, you know, we went up by, uh, we, we 10% better, you know, and great. And, you know, and stockholders are, 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 are happy or corporate is happy and everything like that. Or my boss is happy. And of course we also have our numbers to hit within the nonprofit space. But when we focus on those numbers so much, we start losing sight of why we were doing this to start with. And it's still there just gets covered over and all the stuff. So I do agree that think about what you're doing, what you're doing well, and then not just what, but why. Why, yeah. you know, oh, this went off without a hitch. And, you know, we raised this much money and people were really happy. And then what? Mm-hmm. And then what, we're this much closer to the cause or we've helped these many more people, right? And and I played a role in that and I played an important role in that. I think that, that both of those things are, are incredibly important. You mentioned happiness, and I think this is an interesting um, topic of transition here. Do you have to be happy in order to be grateful, or does your gratitude lead to own happiness, whether you're at your job or whether you're an organization? Do, do those Are those two tied together? Yeah, so there, there's a lot of discussion about that. It's a pretty deep question um, that doesn't involve food, uh, and it's... You know, and like in in positive psychology, they'll 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 focus more on what they call flourishing than being happy, right? Because you could be in a very very challenging moment and doing a great job of it, and you might not be happy, but it's very meaningful and and it's very good. Uh, but I do think, and you do not need to be day to day, moment to moment, minute to minute happy to show gratitude. One of the most common questions that I get when I present or 
or even just emailed or LinkedIn or whatever is, you know, how do you find gratitude in like the very difficult times, the opposite of the happy times? Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely could be done. One of my own things about that is I try never to tell people how they could be grateful in their own challenges. I try to give them examples of people that I personally know that have gone through some horrible things or are going through some horrible things and they find, I just actually posted today, um, a LinkedIn post about uh, somebody that I know that's been struggling with addiction and on and off sobriety and started keeping a gratitude list and, and sharing it with me. And we, we, we riff a little bit on, on gratitude. And this guy is having an extremely hard time. You know, he's, he's you know, lost his, his family, essentially his job, and he's has difficult challenges medically and everything like that. And he's been working his gratitude and he's finding it, you know, and every day is different and some days are harder than others, but you certainly can do it. You certainly can find it. And sometimes those are the most important times to do it. The challenge is getting that spark. That's why the habit is good. Like even when you said when it becomes hard, because if that's what I do at Wednesdays at nine, is I write gratitude letters or I text three people or whatever else that might be. Okay. Is it forced? Yeah. Okay. It's forced. But sometimes just taking off that edge Sometimes, you know, they say it's, it's, it's very difficult to feel grateful and, and feel angry at the same time. Some yeah. people say it's impossible. You could say, well, I'm not really feeling grateful because I'm just typing and I'm just putting the words out there. But mm-hmm. if you're at least giving the moment and giving the chance. So I do think that, and, and it certainly does help. I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan that gratitude is a, an incredible add-on for anything, right? Like depression, it's not going to cure depression. Right. But if you're doing the work they need to do, you're seeing the people you need to see, if there's pharmacological, whatever else it is, and you're adding gratitude, it's going to go better. Right. And, and so I think that, that definitely in, in difficult times, you don't have to be happy. Uh, it will make you happier uh, dispositionally, uh, but, uh, you know, probably not mathematically. Well, it's one of those interesting places, too, where if you send a thank you note and then somebody thanks you for the thank you note. You get this endless loop of gratitude, right? In this weird moment, and, right, and right. a lot of no, yeah, a lot of a lot of fundraisers will have this, right? So you'll say, "Hey, thank you so much for that, uh, you know, that gift or that meeting, or whatever." No, 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 thank you. You've helped us figure out, you know, why we needed to give, or or, or you've given us meaning. No, 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 but thank you for the for the gift and the and the and this is endless thing of just throwing back, um, you know, this this moment of appreciation. I think that's what's really kind of a fun, self-fulfilling prophecy that kind of what you were trying to, uh, where you were talking about too, is that if you're trying to be grateful, it's really difficult to be pissed <laughs> because what are you mad about somebody doing something nice for you? Are you mad about the the gift that helped you push over for a campaign or like, how do you become mad about that? That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, uh, so I, I just always think that's a, a really kind of a funny bit. Is there is there a time not to be grateful? Is there ever a time where you're like, you know, gratitude is not necessary here? Yeah, I would bet this. I would say that that there definitely are. Right, like there are times where, I mean, my mind is immediately going, you know, a very difficult, stressful situation where someone steps over the line, and let's say it's not even about you; it's about you need to protect somebody else, right? Because about yourself, maybe there's ego involved, whatever. It's clearly that somebody's being taken advantage of, abused, whatever else it is, and you need to step up, right? I think in that very moment, it's not the moment for gratitude because, you know, you might need to pounce or whatever else, however you're acting. <laughs> but, but you know, but I do think that, you know, 
most of the time, yes, that's that's that it, it, there is always a time for it, but there are, there are definitely times when when not. I think uh, just a personal thought. If you're if you're starting on your journey of gratitude, if you don't know, like I don't even know if I want to do this right. What's a good first step? What's a good first thing that you can do in order to begin that journey? on sort of being repetitive in the way that you show appreciation, the repetitive, the way that you show gratitude, what's a good beginner's moment? Yeah. So I like to say that there, there, there are two aspects to that. One is, was like you're saying the word moment, like when is that moment? And if I'm setting it as a time, like really think about like not setting something up for a time that it's always either unpredictable because then you're going to lose it. Um, or, or just not set up for it where it's, I'm, I'm always grouchy at this time. It might be great later when you're working on it and that's going to help you. But, uh, I'm a big fan of habit stacking, which is where you, you know, you already have some kind of habit or something that you do all the time, very consistently. And then you add that to either before or after it. So like you're a gym guy and you always get to the gym and you get there five minutes early because you love it and whatever else it is. So make sure you have pen and paper in the car and, and jot off a, a gratitude note or something like that and say, I won't get out of the car until I do it. Or you're making your coffee in the morning and you're one of those freaky morning people and you're very awake and alive and excited. So, so pick it. So I think picking the time, there you go. Picking the time, I'm, I'm awake. I don't know how alive I am, but uh, <laughs> picking the time, you know, choosing when you do it, I think is critically important. And just as important is, is how you do it and what you do. I'm a big fan of what I call you do you gratitude, like mm-hmm. find the thing that works. So you're not a person who likes to write. So even though I'm a big fan of writing and even journaling, uh, currently I'm not journaling because I'm burning on it. So I, I wanted to switch it up, but you know, find something that works for you. And it could be simple. Uh, you know, it could be a text, it could be, you know, sharing a song or whatever else it is, find something that works for you. You do you. And, and really it's like anything else, baby steps, like do not overload it. You're into journaling. Great. Be into journaling. Don't say I'm going to write every day, eight, eight pages in my journal. And nowadays they even say even, even every day in a journal might be too much, but so they can be maybe too much gratitude you could fatigue. Right. So I would say those three things like choosing a smart time, maybe using that habit stacking to say before I brush my teeth, after I sleep, before I set my alarm at night, whatever else it is, have it. Good idea. Before bed is always a great idea because the studies show that it does help sleep. Uh, and we all need that, uh, except for you. And uh, <laughs> um, and and then you do you really find what works for you and then don't overload it. Uh, you know, there's some, the simplest ones, you know, write a letter, three, the three is very easy. Everyone can think of three. I do three for Thursdays on LinkedIn. I just put up categories, share, your, you know, something that's blue, you know, something you eat and somebody who impacted you when you were less than 10 years old, whatever else it is, you could find these prompts online because sometimes you feel like, I don't know what to be grateful for, uh, you know, and, and I think those are helpful tips, I hope. And, and, and really, I just love the fact that if you're thinking about it, you're going to start, right? So even if you're just like, okay, I need to think about gratitude. Well, now you're in a better mindset than you were before you even had this as a concept in the first place. And so maybe you don't take action right away. That's all right. Get your brain set for when you can take a, a step forward in action. I don't think people have to. And again, I think we get into this uh, horrible thing of comparison. Well, I know that you know Dave writes 39 thank you notes a week. I don't have time to write 39 thank you notes a week. Don't compare yourself to others. That's not a really good thing. How can you yourself, you know, set your own bar, your own standard? That's a really uh, dangerous rabbit hole to kind of go through as you're comparing who is more grateful than others. Right. 
right? Especially when you really don't even know. Like, yeah. They may be outwardly showing it, but, you know, are they really more grateful? I don't know. But like you said, you know, that's not you. And it's like anything else. You know, I don't compare myself, you know, if I jog a mile, I don't compare myself to some, you know, marathon runner or whatever else that might be. You work with uh, both nonprofits and for-profits. Is there a... Uh... Is there something that you've seen universally that from a gratitude standpoint, from an appreciation standpoint, that um, that hits both at the same time? Or are they so separate and unique? I, we've been we've been toying around and having a couple of um, of keynotes on treating your customers the way nonprofits treat their donors from a public standpoint. Right. We'll go into a business. And we'll say, hey, you need to think about this as a nonprofit. There's some similarities there, and I think there's some really nice things. But from a gratitude standpoint, is there something that businesses and nonprofits understand totally the same? And is there a way that nonprofits can use that knowledge to have conversations with businesses, maybe about donations and partnerships and solicitations down the road? The the last part of your question is very interesting. I would say as far as similarities between profits and nonprofits, I think most of it is, is actually similar. There are some differences and those are very large differences. I would just off the top of my head, number one, in general, nonprofits are more oriented to start with towards gratitude. I think they see the inherent value in it without looking at the bottom line sometimes better. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there are businesses out there that are unbelievable and even some of the, the largest ones you know, like uh, WD-40 is like a famous one for like, like there's a massive company and, and the culture is incredible in terms of appreciation and gratitude. You know, so there certainly are out there, but I think as a whole, you see more value that is seen by the nonprofits. The downside of that is I feel like they feel like it's very, it's just natural because it comes to them naturally. So I, I feel like they don't often try to like work on it or get better at it or get training or whatever else that might be. Um, Whereas a lot of times in the for-profit space, if they recognize they're not good at it and they, they have the dollars and it's much easier to cut that check, um, mm-hmm. they'll do it. The other side of that is they really want much harder proof, which is, which is sometimes hard, right? Like they want, they want to say, like, if I'm giving a presentation to for-profit or a workshop or a series of workshops, and the, the controller or the CFO who wrote the check is sitting in the back, they really want to see like, how is this going to you know, affect our bottom line? And, and so therefore in those situations, I'm always much more about the Harvard business studies and the Harvard medical school studies and, and, and these things that so that we could show some hard science in what they view as very fluffy often. Uh, so I think those differences are, those are probably the, the biggest differences. And then they have the budgets and nonprofits don't always do. Uh, I also think it's a question, like you said before, about a donor thinking, was it a worthwhile spend to to buy me this trinket? It could get to the point where, where uh, you know, you might say, well, how much internal cultural work are you doing and you're spending and you're bringing in all these things? So great. If you get grants, that's a great way to get it done, you know, because then it doesn't come from the budget. But I think there's something to think about there. And especially when having a tough year and you got to make this money to do the mission, I don't know what gets cut first. You know, sometimes it's the fluffy stuff, you know, so yeah. uh, this seems woo woo. I'm getting out of this uh, in the business. Well, and I, I want to I follow up. The question is, how do we how do nonprofits maybe use gratitude in conversations with businesses to maybe bond a little bit more, um, you know, uh, symbiotically? Or maybe there's something that there's they're attuned to that says, okay, I think you and me make a perfect pair. And maybe this gratitude is an entryway into understanding or even figuring that out. Yeah, I think that I think it starts with 
as nonprofits, sometimes we have, we, you know, we, the, the general, we, we, we have this approach that, you know, the, these are the, the people who make the money and we're the people who do the good with the money. And we don't realize, except when they're giving us some of that money, we don't realize that they are doing good things and they're doing good, you know, most of these companies, you know, uh, I don't know who your sponsors are here, but let's let's say you know, okay, you're not going to go to a, a, a tobacco company necessarily when you know you have a health-related charity. But by the way, our first potential sponsor in the generosity series, they reached out for us. You know, was like a, an easy company. Like yeah, no, great. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to uh, make that phone call to Marlboro and just go. I apologize for our uh, our David Lynn, you know, conversation. Right. Um, there goes that sponsorship, but. Uh, but I think that we in the nonprofit space have to realize that there are very good people. And I'm not saying that we don't think there are, but like we, we look at the only way to, to achieve our mission is by doing what we do in the nonprofit space. And we don't always realize that we can't do it without the people in the for-profit space and not just when they give us direct dollars, when they give us, you know, obviously volunteer support and things like that, but even indirect things like, you know, you're producing a product, you're, you're creating jobs, you're helping the economy. That's also important. And I think when we could find that sort of common ground, uh, that's already the, the way we could start. And I think that that's a little bit of a mind shift for many of us in the nonprofit space. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't think it's any of that means that what we're doing isn't the best thing in the world. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, you know, that, and then obviously it has to shift the other way also. The for-profits have to start thinking about that. I can, you know, the thought is I can run this better. I just don't make enough money doing it. So I'm not, let them do it, you know, but, but, you know, that has to be, you know, both <laughs> ways. But I think that if we find that common ground and then I, I'm a big fan of really try to match uh, finding that thread of commonality in, in a, a nonprofit and a for-profit. Like I don't take every sponsor that comes along. Should be many more, but the but but you know I don't take it because you know it just doesn't fit the mission. And and if we really look at their missions, and we look at nowadays with most medium to large companies, for profit companies, it's out there, right? Look for your B companies, right? Or just look on everybody's website nowadays. You're going to run mission, vision, mm-hmm. values, and find the ones that that align with what you're doing, either as the cause or as, as your own company, your organizational culture, or you as an individual, and then reach out and say, hey, I know that you're big on, this is something that's very important to us. And I think together we can, we can come together and sort of build that out uh, and have bigger impact across the board. I could honestly talk about this for like the next four days. I oh. feel like we've got enough content for like four days worth of this. So I feel that that is- uh, Well, it's not- 30 days, right? November. It's- just, yeah, we could do it every day, 30 days, just you and me chatting about this. Uh, I want to make sure that people can um, reach out to you and uh, get a little background on what the generosity series is. So if you can give us a little background, what is this? You are the COO and co-founder of. Yeah. So if I don't know, we're in trouble. Uh, (laughs) So the generosity series I mentioned at the top is is a series of multi-charity run walks. We wanted to find a way to allow small to mid-sized company organizations to tap into, let's call it fitness-related peer-to-peer fundraising, run walks. Um, And we saw, and I won't give the whole story here, but my, really my, my, our CEO and my co-founder and my best buddy, Saul, who started the company, he saw a problem in fundraising that the little guys sort of were not getting, weren't able to do it. So how do we create the situation? So the way that we came about is, 
you know, to, to let's have one day where everyone can share that. So you have that thing, what do you call it? The, the, the run for the cure for- Run the for cure. the law for everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So that's sort of in a way what it is. This was, we wanted to have, you know, this is the day, November 9th is Generosity NYC. So every New York City-based organization could come in and share that day, do their own fundraising, have their own page, but share the day and celebrate together. That's where we started the Generosity Series. And, you know, we were going for a good nine years or so. Uh, mostly small to mid-sized. We started getting some of the larger organizations involved. Uh, you know, this thing called COVID came along and, you know, really from a business standpoint, it's not to minimize everything else personally and health-wise that happened and economically, uh, but from a business standpoint for us, you know, for our model was not permitted even, even now I can't get the permits that I need in the cities that I am to, to do this. So we started doing a little work in, in the virtual space and saw some of the challenges there and some of the um, and, and some of the opportunities. And we created this Gratitude Rising, which is a um, it's similar idea, like it's one event, many, many organizations. And we were talking about giving gifts and giving value. We wanted to give something more back to the participants, like peer to peer virtual could be very one sided. I sign up, I pay the registration fee, I ask my friends to join, to raise. I'm doing this stuff. And then I don't even have that event where Patrick gets to sweat on me and give me a, a, a medal or something like that. Yeah. So we wanted to give them more um, and we wanted to be less tangible. We can give them more swag and all that other stuff, but we wanted to give something more valuable. And because I'm the, you know, co-founder, it was gratitude. And we, we saw also, I mean, I'm biased, but that gratitude was the thread that's going to run through all of the challenges of virtual, like virtual doesn't commu build community very well but gratitude does, right? Mm. Uh, virtual doesn't engage well, but gratitude does when it's partialed out, when it's, you know, so we created this. So it's sort of, you're signing up, you're, you're supporting your own organization and you're getting a full curriculum of gratitude. So we've got five or six of the, you know, thought leaders, authors, coaches in the gratitude space that are providing for every single participant, you know, all different ways to engage in gratitude. Again, you do you. If you're into art, there'll be ways to do it through art. You want to have a live Q&A, there's going to be live Q&A. There's a 30-day program for people who want it. There's everyday quotes. There's all this other stuff. So there's a way for everybody to engage. And we do believe that <clears throat> that's going to create more gratitude from the participants to the organizations, from the organizations to the participants. And that's going to build a, a larger community of gratitude. And we're you know just launching now, actually. Um, so gratiturising.org. I think by the time we go live with this site should be live. Um, and if people, other people want to find me elsewhere, probably best way, I mean, either Dave at generosityseries.com or, or on LinkedIn, just I, I hashtag gratitude dude. Um, and you could find me or you could just put Dave, Dave Lynn in and, and you'll find me there. We're going to make sure that all the links work in this uh, little uh, description of all the, uh, the show notes. And if you are a nonprofit and you're paying attention uh, towards their last little bit of statement, uh, Dave gave you some great advice is that when you are planning your own event, think about it from a, uh, an attitude of gratitude first, because if you can bond with your audience over this appreciation and gratitude piece, you're more than likely going to have a sort of two-sided conversation rather than just you beaming in across Zoom on what you want to talk about. No, no, no. It's that two-way street. And I think what you've, uh, you've done in that little moment uh, Dave has given people a little bit to think about on their own events 
throughout the country is that they're thinking about how can I show gratitude first and throughout my show performance gala music thing virtually because that's going to be the tie that binds and I think that's brilliant um, it's, a, it's a, such a brilliant thing to, to leave those who are listening because that's exactly why it's, a, it's enticing this time of year and should be enticing throughout the entire year um, and I could not be happier and uh, more grateful for you being on this episode of the official Do Good Better podcast. It's just a pleasure having you on. This is going to be one of those like, hey, we're totally going to have to have you back because we're going to get to like, we're going to get to March and we're like, it's going to be, you know, gloomy and gross. And we're going to have to do kick this off again and remind people that, hey, remember what it was like in November where you're all grateful? Do it again. Such a good idea. Find out the six months from Thanksgiving and create a new holiday right there. <laughs> mark it. Uh, mark your calendars. You heard, first. Uh, <laughs> you heard it here first. Dave, thanks so much for being a guest. Uh, awesome. We'll make sure that everybody uh, gets uh, access to all the uh, links and stuff in your bio and uh, all the contacts in the show notes. Uh, so appreciate you being here on the official Do Good Better podcast. Thanks so much. Look, as someone who listens to the show, you know that I love helping small and medium-sized nonprofits. That's why we bring on the awesome experts and guests that get to talk to you about how to make your organization more awesome. So I've got a deal for you. I would like to help you. I would like to work with you. So if you go to dogooduniversity.com, that's dogooduniversity.com, and you register for one of the courses, I'm going to send you my best-selling book, Fundraise Awesome or a practical guide to staying sane while doing good for free because I really want you to do amazing work. Listen, dogooduniversity.com. Go pick out something, whether it's a board training or a gratitude training or whatever webinar you want to choose. Um, use the promo code podcast. Take 25% off of anything that you purchase. And I'm going to throw in a book as well because I want you to do awesome. I want you to do awesomer. And I want you to do good better. Go to dogooduniversity.com today.